welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Sometimes I see places where we all seem to intersect and hit on something together, like in a shared consciousness where we all seem to be pulling water from the same well. Most of the time, I think we walk around too caught up in our own dramas and private landscapes to notice, but when we do catch it, it feels auspicious and on purpose. Instead of saying on purpose, Otis says, Mama, I did not do it by purpose. And I haven't corrected him because it's so charming and I love it. The way we intersect is more by purpose and by design than we choose to point to usually, I think. And the shared well is there even when we don't notice it. We just keep laying tile. Not always aware of the bird's eye design that is part of the room, that is part of the house, that is part of the neighborhood, that is part of the city, that is part of a state, a part of a country, that is part of a planet and part of a universe. And part of what helps me choose each of these weekly topics is noticing how we are laying tile. And lately, there has been a preface that comes before my stories and all the stories that I've heard lately from people that pass by me. And it sounds something like this. I know that there's so much going on in the world and so many more people have it way worse than me. And then the person goes on to tell about a way that they themselves are hurting. Or we say something like, I hate to even bring this up because you've been through so much more dot, dot, dot. And then they go on to tell something. This is called comparative suffering. And sometimes instead of giving a preface, we don't even bring it up at all because we've decided that our small suitcases of sadness or hurt is not warranted. And bringing it up, even in trusted company, feels selfish and small with all that's going on in the world. And there's another body of water that lives right beside this one, and they pour into one another. And that's the place where you have declared something or made a choice about something, and therefore any hurt or sadness that's a result of that choice doesn't feel valid or you feel like you shouldn't talk about it. So in other words, you made your bed and you should lie in that bed quietly and say nothing no matter what happens. So when we maintain these places of preface, we stay tethered to apology and it does us no good. And we do this prefacing and this comparative suffering because we want to keep perspective. And I believe that perspective is so vital because it's at the heart of justice 
in understanding the world around us. I also think when we preface our pain, it's because we don't want other people to think that we don't understand the bigger world and we want folks to think that we're thoughtful and kind and generous. But my ask and my interest is how can we stay rooted in gratitude, global perspective and recognition of all beings and still unpack our own suitcases and give voice to our own grief, no matter the size of that grief. I have like 3,000 personal examples of this because this pattern I'm starting to recognize is rampant in the way that I talk about things. The first time I remember this really taking hold has to do with my identity as a dancer. And pretty young, I devoted myself to dance and the performing arts. And, um, and I have an undergraduate and an advanced graduate degree in dance. So lots and lots of years and time and devotion and sacrifice to that world. And mostly, dancers struggle making enough money to support themselves. Like most artists. And I was never good enough as a dancer to be in like a top company that pay the dancers really well. So I was perpetually worried about money when I was going for that life. And I can really say the same about the choice to pursue yoga teaching as a life also. Well, my my preface was I chose it. I declared it. So I shouldn't ever mention rent struggles or having to scrape by or not even having access to basic needs like health insurance or things like that. So I stuffed it all down into my body, into the cells of my body. I stuffed it down. I hid medical concerns and just kind of brushed those off. I couldn't afford the dentist, so I skipped it, which eventually um, got me into trouble with my teeth later. I believed I deserved it because I had chosen to be an artist. It was kind of like, well, Buffy, you chose it so you don't have any room to express outwardly any of the grief or sadness that comes with that. Um, It was kind of like a comes with the territory. You should have chosen something else if you wanted a different result. That's the life of an artist. And the truth is, yes, all of that is true. But, but that fact or those facts don't erase the interior grief and hardship that accompanies certain choices. Another example for me is motherhood. Me getting to be a mother was a brambled and uneven path. I met my husband later in my 30s, and that was years after tethering myself to a much older man that didn't want any more children. And I thought I didn't want children because I wanted him. But once I found true and reciprocal love with Matt, I was 36. It was towards the end of my 36th year. And we kind of meandered along, not really um, realizing the data and the science. And once we started trying for children pointedly, it was not easy. And so my pregnancies were hard won. And some would say that that was my fault. 
So fast forward to now, and my preface tends to be, Buffy, you don't get to talk about how tired you are or anything that touches on complaining with mamahood because you chose this. You wanted this. You went through a great deal to have this um, and these babies. So anything shy of deep acceptance, joy, and quiet, you don't get to voice. And I do know about the millions of women who dearly want and wanted a child but will not have that choice. And I take these women with me every day. And they live in the walls of my home. They watch me and look into my windows on a regular basis. And because of this, because I feel them, I hold this private exhaustion and generally show no signs of distress in motherhood because... I would never want to be mistaken for being ungrateful, even for an afternoon. And I'm wondering, for my own sake and for your sake, can we do both? We build these identities like, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a dancer, I'm an activist, I'm a writer, I'm a scientist, I'm a father. We build these identities, and once we've declared these parts of ourselves, then we tie ourselves into what that category generally means about that group of people, like a stereotype, instead of what it means for us. And once we get quiet and we stuff down our own sadness because we don't believe that it's worthy in comparison, then what happens is it becomes more poisonous. Because what we've learned is that suffering that has not had air and sunlight and ears on it, in other words, suffering that has been hidden and not shared because of some sort of shame, it not only still exists, that suffering not only still exists, but it grows in the dark and is building a special sauce of resentment. While racial and social injustice has always been present in the creation and continuation of our societies, we are living in a current time when those injustices are being spoken out loud more and brought to task and our collective feet are being held to the fire. And I believe that it's about time for that, that it's past time for that. And it's essential for us to reimagine the world over. And all of this remains and must be engaged and fought for. And because this is true, we, as the seekers, the lightworkers, the artists, the poets, the visionaries, the dancers, the writers, the yogis, the activists, the singers, the creators, all of us, we need to be as healthy as possible so that we can do the big work of reimagining. And I don't think that we can reimagine a better planet if we have these smaller suitcases of suppressed sadness and if we don't feel worthy to clear those out because of what is raging on the bigger screen. 
And to be clear, comparative suffering doesn't help anybody. It stifles our story and it does not contribute to the remedy of anyone else's needs. It is essentially performative in nature, even if you mean well by mentioning it. We should still savor our food and deeply enjoy a shared meal while we acknowledge and work to remedy world hunger. We shouldn't starve ourselves in solidarity. It doesn't help. We eat well, we fuel our bodies, and then we make our medicine, whatever it is your particular offering, to contribute to the good of the world. It must be both. We have to address the big and the little, and that must include rinsing out our private sadnesses. They must be tended to, or we, I think we die on the inside. We die from gaslighting ourselves. And the antidote, I think, is to unlace the preface and let the personal processes be allowed in the room with the understanding that the world is raging outside and that both matter and need to be tended to. And that when we unlace the small stories from the bigger ones, at least in light of sharing and in light of healing, we don't forbid ourselves or anybody else to be witnessed and supported. You unlace the exhaustion of motherhood from the growing number of women who want and wanted babies but could never have them. You unlace the worry of making rent and not having health insurance from the choice that you made to live life as an artist. You unlace the grief over the death of your college friend from your choice to have less contact with her because of your political differences. My husband, Matt, lost his dad last month, and it was so incredibly sad. And so many conversations I've had recently have started with, I know this is nothing compared to to what Matt is facing. I shouldn't even mention what kind of week I've had. And my reaction to that, at least through the investigation of what I wanted to say today on this podcast, is unlace it. It helps Matt zero for you not to tell me about your miscarriage, of your diagnosis, of your job loss, of your hip surgery. It helps you zero and it helps him zero. You unlace your anger over your sister's behavior from the fact that your spouse lost her sister last year and you know you're even lucky to have a sister, much less fight with her. You unlace the fact that racial injustice is tearing our world apart and so many people are treated less than you and you still lost your job today and you're not sure where to turn. People are dying daily from terrible and unjust actions. There are so many people that are worse off than you and me. So, so, so many. And yet, in order to deliver our best medicine, we have to tend to ourselves also. 
we still must, in the middle of all the things. To be so tired as a mama, but to feel like you should never say a word because you're hard-won fight to have her. Injections, prayers, money, roller coasters. But here it is. You still get to be tired, even though, even though, even though. There will always be someone hurting more. There will always be someone less privileged than you, always. Which makes you more equipped to help. And you tacking yourself up in their honor and not taking care of yourself as a gesture to show that their pain is more profound than yours isn't helpful. You cannot help when you have not grieved. My sister-in-law, Christy, who's on the front lines of the climate activism world, she and I have talked about this extensively. She drives herself nonstop for this climate work, which is relentless and so important, and it never ends. She's in the middle of doing a brilliant documentary um, to just encapsulate the urgency of this. There's always more to be done. She's exhausted and she rarely stops to grieve for how it all feels in her own personal body and for what she knows the human race is headed for. And her voice is hoarse from shouting onto mostly deaf ears that rarely understand the urgency that she does. So she keeps running And I have to, part of my medicine, part of my job is I have to beg her to slow down, to eat well, and to meditate, and to sleep, and to take good care. Because she feels the whole planet on top of her collarbones. I know she does. And it's the work that she's here to do. Her climate preface is always there before any personal account she gives. And I get it. She's so right. And if she and others like her cannot unlace herself enough to breathe deeply and to slow down and to tend to herself, then there's going to be nobody for the front lines. To unlace the small from the big doesn't mean that we ever let either disintegrate. I think it's the opposite, in fact. This unlacing lets the micro and the macro live two bodies of water alongside one another. And sometimes it makes sense that they flow into each other. And sometimes I think they need to be separate, one not prefacing the other, so that proper attention can be given. It helps. So... Feed your body, move your muscles and your joints, sweat often, meditate daily, please meditate daily. Unpack your sad suitcases with your people, the ones that you know you can trust. Sleep enough. If you can, belly laugh more. (laughs) Let yourself be silly. 
and rage when you need to, howl and show your teeth at the demons that are still in your body and in your dreams. Invite those in for tea so that they get small and serene. Get yourself clear. And then from that place of clarity, take up the good fight and bring forward your medicine. And as John Lewis taught us, get into some good trouble. Thank you so much for listening to Things That Will Help. A few things that really help me, if you feel pulled, is for you to leave a review or a rating of this podcast. Also, if you would like to become a patron, you can directly support the production of this podcast and all the information is on the show notes. And I'm so grateful to those of you who have chosen to do this. If you do become a patron, you get a bonus episode each week. It's like a a practice to go along with the week's stories. And it's a way to physicalize um, the lessons from that story. And it's a really sweet little, kind of short and sweet little gift that I can give you. Um, for becoming a patron. So thank you so much. I hope that you have a peaceful week and that you're able to find some spaces to unpeel the preface and really just own own your own um, healing journey so that you can turn out for the world in the best way that you can. Thank you so much.